You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's shameless after show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424. 424- Two five six seventeen twenty nine, and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Shameless After Show. Welcome everybody, Bing is for doing. We're here doing season three, episode seven, a long way away from home. Welcome. I'm your host Phil Svitek. Join alongside yet again. Hi, I'm JJ Jurgens, and not replacing, but at least for this week. Ray, we have a very special guest, John Kassir. I'm actually J.J. Jurgens. <laughs> Welcome. And for those of you who don't know, John has a new movie out called Jack and the Giant. Jack the Giant Slayer. There you go. Jack the Giant Slayer. And we will definitely talk about that. It's the number one in the box office this week. It's a very... It's, it's, that's right. It's a, great, it's a great movie. I, I had a chance to see it, so I can't wait to talk to you about... Excellent. Talking to you about that movie, um, but first, but first, tonight's agenda. Let's get let's get into Shameless. Wait. I thought uh, very very sad episode yeah. overall. Oh my goodness! I never like to think of Shameless as being sad episodes. They're always so challenged. It's kind of you root for them. You know what's amazing about this show? How they can get you rooting against everything that has to do with the system, even if the system mm-hmm. is right. Because you know you, they have these uh, these actors are so good and the characters have such heart, you know. It's true. Great, I love yeah. the show. I love the show. And this particular episode, it seems like every other episode that they've written so far led up to this episode somehow. Yeah, yeah I there mean, were so many that flash back in my head when they were, you know, bringing up why Frank shouldn't have the kids and the whole deal, you know. Yes, and and you know it was fun because we had uh, Shinola who plays V. She told us, you know, that this was coming, and uh, it, it was definitely worth the wait. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, she talked about the courtroom scenes and how like moving they would be, and yeah, she was right. She was good stuff. Let's start with Carl because uh, <laughs> he he's getting adjusted, and I, I love you know you want to talk about the system. Why, why else have channels besides to watch what you're not supposed to? Yeah. Um, which I, I found funny. Uh, you know, I, I like the sort of storyline. He's the fact that he's still curious. It's great to see. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, the kid. They started out making the kid a psychopath. I mean, blowing up stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was such a great kid, and now he's just uh, he's starting to delve into real life situations that aren't you know unrealistic, which is great. I mean, these kids are the, that they've hired to play these parts are so great. I never I never really think of them as actors at all. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, and he's especially, I mean, they're all good. But he, I mean, especially, like, tune into this kid and totally believe where he's at, you know? Yeah, yeah especially this season, too. He's so fun. He, I just love that, like, yeah, he's just a little shit, you know, but he's got that smile, and you just you just love him, and I can't wait to always <laughs> see, like, what bad thing that he's going to do next or what he's going to get into. Well, he's at that age, too, yeah. where they don't edit, you know, yeah. you know, you know, we'll come back, you know, we'll come back after, you know, you leave this place and, you know, get the security code so we can go back and rip off this place. (laughs) He's telling his little brother that, you know, Lip is telling his little brother that, you know, and the kids, because he's teaching them how to survive like a Gallagher, how the Gallaghers are going to have to survive, you know? Was was there a moment in that uh, that scene where Lip was kind of like, wait, they're actually being good parents? Was he kind of considering, wow, this is actually a good situation for Carl to be in? Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I think probably also, like, you know, don't complain too much. I mean, they're they're trying to be you know, good parents. I mean, he's, he's always kind of facetious anyway, but, yeah. um, you know, he meant he meant that with uh, true heart. It was a nice moment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's great to see Carl. I mean, again, not not too much there, but nice comedic relief <laughs> yeah, in the is. end with, yeah. with Carl. Um, a little bit of a slightly bigger storyline, uh, Debbie. <laughs> and, and the sweatshop, working in the yeah. in the pre, you know the preteen sweatshop. 
I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't write down the equation of what was it? Two earrings for fries and the. Yeah. Yeah, and whatever for the burger for and the burger, with yeah. Mama Kamala. It's just it's yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah, she's she's uh, she's really great. That that kid too. Um, you know, they they. Uh, she always seems to be, you know, the nurturer, you know, following in the footsteps of her sister. So, you know, in that situation, she kind of took, you know, did the same thing Fiona would do. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. was kind of great to see that. They really played that up, which was really nice. She, she, cared, she cared as much about the other kids eating as her own self. You know, she's really um, the empathy of those kids. And that was, I think it was a really smart on the writers to put her in that mm-hmm. situation, be working in that situation where, you know, she had to be kind of like the mama bear to the other kids, you know? Yeah. And what, what's yeah. nice, like with Fiona, you know, Fiona wasn't initially taught this and you know it's not like debbie at this moment has fiona to go to to ask her like hey what should i do you know she has to come up with that plan on her own right which is as we later learn what you know uh what fiona had to do at the age of six Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i i thought that was really nice yeah um how great was it mama kawa the, the the glue to her eyes <laughs> in that moment. Man, that's visceral. You know, yeah. that's one thing I love about this show, you know, it's like they go out of their way to make sure that, um, you know, a couple episodes back where she was, wor- you know, where Fiona was working in a hazmat situation, you know, I mean, they that kind of thing where she was cleaning up, you know, backed up sewage and that kind of thing. They really... We found out that was brownie mix. (laughs) Yeah, we did ask on that one. In real life. But in the show, you know, I mean, they really go out of their way to get you to to feel the visceral things that these people are experiencing. And it really helped. It's almost like another character in the in the show. Yeah. You know, the way that they do that kind of thing. And and seriously, you start going, Oh my god, the idea of having crazy glue on my eyelids. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about it for a second, you you know, all of a sudden you're smelling the crazy glue, you know. You you know how it was when your fingers would get stuck stuck together. It was bad enough. I can't imagine your eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody kind of gets their they're due. There's a certain amount of morality play to this. And, you know, the Gallagher's are just surviving. So we forgive that, you know, there's the cause and effect of what happens to them. I mean, the big theme in the, these shows is cause and effect. You know, if you do this, something else is going to happen down the road. You know, we faked the will. So, you know, and as a result, now they may lose the house, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing, um, which is kind of kind of amazing. But it's great to see other people get that. You know, yeah, for, in return. In mm-hmm. return, yeah. And, you know, speaking to your point about sort of the production design, what was, in terms of the sweatshop downstairs in the basement, at first, you know, when you kind of went in there, it was, you know, it was the details. Uh, as we see later on with Deb, you know, now she's got the sweat, whereas first she doesn't. So uh, I felt it was the right <laughs> amount of sweat to really give her. Because you could see, they, you yeah. know, on, on their faces, they were really tired at that point. Yeah. You know? Which, again, you know, sometimes it, it can be overlooked, but they didn't do that with this mm-hmm. you know and so mm-hmm. visually it tells us wow they're really being worked there's somebody who has a job is standing there with a glycerin mm-hmm. bottle you know and it's like yeah spritzing that's what they call for on the set when they do that kind of thing they come <laughs> hey, what did you do no more spritzing you know less spritzing what is it she doesn't even look wet come on spray her down <laughs> and by the way kudos to uh debs for knowing benadryl puts people asleep yeah right you know again I, most young kids i don't think i i don't no drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely not. The, yeah. yeah, well, that's how they babysat kids. You know, it's like you know, was it? Was oh, there yeah, an early she, episode where somebody had to babysit the kid and said, "Just give him a bed." Be, be. Yeah, oh, she learned that from Frank. Frank, from Frank. Yeah. yeah, that's a good pickup. Yes, yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's learning from her father. Yeah. If only she had brought yeah. that up in court. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been great. Yeah, he taught me to swim yeah. by holding other kids' heads under the water, and taught me how to. Uh, put the nanny to sleep with Benadryl. Yes. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, th- let's talk about Ian. Uh, again, not, not a lot happened there, but um, in, in terms of him and Mickey, I felt there was a lot going on there. It was a, it was a really hard scene, especially you could see, you could, mm-hmm. you, we always talk about the look here, yeah. you know, the, and as they referenced it, the look of love, um, you know, but this week it's the look of pain for Ian. When he just couldn't get a response from Mickey. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, it, yeah, I think pain on Mickey too. I mean, his his stare at that, you know, what he was shooting was just a, a look of pain as well. So but what was Mickey painful for? Well, you know, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to come to grips with what his life really is. I mean, he comes from 
a situation where it's not cool to, to be openly gay or be, you know, openly love a boy, you know. So he's always been like, you're not my boyfriend, you know. If we do this, nobody's supposed to know about it. You know, why are you telling, you know, that rich, you know, Harry Hamlin character that I'm in on this, you know, kind of thing. So there's a certain level of it. It's like, okay, the line has been crossed. Now my dad knows I got the crap beat out of me. You know, I slept with a Russian hooker. You know, what am I, you know? It's like all these things. So, I mean, his his deal is, is how does he proceed? How does he live his life now? Yeah, so, I mean, this is more of prediction. So what what is the next step for their relationship? Can oh, they mend- I think there'll still be backlash to this. I think definitely that I don't think the, doc, the, the father is going to, you know, Mickey's father's going to let this lie. No. Is it, you know, I think that Ian's still going to get some backlash from this situation. It's going to come up. Gallagher's going to have to take on that family somehow. Mm-hmm. Is he going to find support in Mandy or no? Since, you know, he's been close with her, she's well, the sister. The, 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 the daughter's back. The woman he loves, is the girl he loves is back, his baby, uh, you know, what he thought was his baby mama. Well, Lip. That's for Lip. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're talking about, oh, yeah, Mandy, uh, being his best friend. And I was yeah. going to say, what the point I was making was is that because she's back, there's going to be problems now with Lip and, and Mandy. Yes. So I don't think that she's going to be able to be there for Ian because it's going to it's going to wind up being there's going to be I think there's going to wind up being some kind of family feud between that family and and theirs. It's mm-hmm. it's got to be bad blood from all sides. Yes, and and you know that's a good point that you make because yeah. you know uh, Ian already confronted Lip about hey if you're going to date her you got to date her yeah you know you got to be there for her and so I think Ian's going to Ian's going to side against Lip yeah so that's that'll be interesting mm-hmm. yeah. It's going to be a real Irish war. <laughs> <laughs> that it will. All right. Um, we're going to get into the meat of this episode, obviously, the court case. But before we, uh, before we get there, um, I want to thank all of you guys for listening, for tuning in every week and writing in, commenting. You know, it really helps us. You know, we, we do read it. It helps form our opinions. You guys have such brilliant opinions. Uh, so please continue to do so. Rate and comment. Let us know how we're doing. And, you know, we'll continue to evolve. And get better, mm-hmm. hopefully, for you guys. Um, all right. but So let's get into she, uh, the funnier side of things with, with Sheila this week, <laughs> with uh, Jody just taking it to a whole new level. <laughs> Sheila just really opened up that can of worms. <laughs> Didn't know oh she was God. one. By the way, yeah, pro- props to Zach McGowan for, for really going there. I mean... I, they all he's do yeah, too. Yeah. He's had to every episode. Yeah. He's that's the character he's had to play. I'm like, there's always, you know, we were talking earlier just before we watched the show about what you know Evan Handler has to go through in Californication. <laughs> you know that you know, there's always that one character that just gets the, you know, the most absurd things. I mean, I've been that guy, but you know, has the most absurd things to have to play every week. And he's and got. How, some how do you handle it if if you're handed something like that? Oh well, you have to treat it like it's a gift. Mm-hmm. You have to treat it like, as, oh, I can't believe they're writing this stuff for me. Because what else are you going to do? You yeah. know, you can't go kicking and screaming. It's, you know, there's something about the reason that they're writing that stuff mm-hmm. for you and what, you know, what you're playing as well. So it's kind of a compliment on some level. But, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to do some pretty. What's the craziest thing that you've had to do? Oh, God, I don't know. I, I remember that on, well, I was on a show called First and Ten. It was HBO's first series about a football team. And I played a Bulgarian field goal kicker that could kick 60-yard field goals, you know. But he was he had all this money. He had no idea of cause and effect and how he'd be, you know, he would just do whatever he thought Americans did, you know. And he was constantly, you know, getting hung upside down by the goalposts or whatever. And Don Gibb had to pick me up and stick my head in the toilet. You know, he had to, like, dunk me in a toilet. And they brought it, you know, and they go. And I said, uh, and when I read it in the script, they go, you guys are going to bring in a new toilet. We're going to do, you know, he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. So we were shooting on college, you know, uh, um College of the Canyons, that's the field we were using for our football sequences and stuff. And so we went into the locker room and they go, Yeah, we scrubbed out this toilet. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, are you kidding me? You want me to put my head in that thing? I was like, no, I'm not putting my head in that thing. You know, it's like, and the producer's like, Come on, man, be a sport. I was like, Dude, you put your head in that toilet, I'll put my head in that toilet. And did he? At first thing he was like, 
okay, who scrubbed out the toilet? <laughs> the guy got the guy already. How would you scrub it? And he goes, I, I did a pretty good job. He goes, not good enough. They cleaned out that toilet again. And I said, are you ready to put your head in it? And he goes, you know what? Let's put a liner in this thing. And sure enough, anytime they've asked me to eat something that's like, you know, nobody mm-hmm. would ever want to eat or that kind of thing. Because there's no reason for it. There are ways to shoot things so that you can, you know, have it sanitary even though it doesn't look sanitary mm-hmm. and have it safe even though it doesn't look safe or eat something that looks gross but, you know, like you were talking about with the, the brownie with, mix. With the brownie <laughs> mix, you know, it's like... That, did, that looked very oh, it gross. Did. It didn't look like brownie mix. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got, uh, you know, I got dysentery while working on the show. You know, you don't want that kind of thing to happen. And so, um, you know, that's my that's my way out. I go to the producer and I go, well, you, you know, uh, you want me to eat that? Goes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I mean. It works. <laughs> I mean, he did some crazy stuff, but him... By the way, the, the flexibility that he had in blowing himself—I mean, yeah. like, whether he was or wasn't—but but it Come looked on, like he was it for the people that haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, it took him. It, yeah, it took a minute to figure out as you saw it, like where exactly like his feet. You know, how, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I wonder if he if he He's had in to, good shape. He is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot of flexibility. Yeah, or either that or a lot of length. What's that? Yeah. Or a lot of length. Or a lot. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of length. Um, so, Jaime, um, you know, kind of. Are you of, wondering whether the, that's actually? Do, do we actually know that that's the father? We don't. I don't think we do know that, right? We've never. We didn't see him before until no, we did. last that, episode. And some yeah. way, in the way that she told her daughter that he, he's with his daddy. I agree and with not you. mention who the who the, the person was that he was with leads me to believe that somehow at some point they're going to go oh she is with Mrs. Wong and her son who's the daddy and she's like that's not the daddy I never slept or something mm-hmm. you know, I'm waiting for that hammer to drop although maybe unless uh, you know somebody can let us know whether we missed something along the way that would so, so let why, us know wh- that what is the benefit for Mrs. Wong. Like, you know, I don't know. That would be what we would be yet to find out. Yeah. You know? But I agree. I kind of picked up on that this episode, too. I thought, well, I don't know that that necessarily, how do we know that that is the dad? And if she is, like last week, he said maybe she's after some sort of money or. Yeah, what, the you Gallaghers know, are being Gallaghered, you know. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, like as Frank said, you know, um, the other pe- people are surviving like they are. I mean, it sounds like something that they would do, but, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious of that. I mean, there's I definitely wrong, got there's definitely got to like be money it, in there. There's, yeah, it felt like you there's know. something going on. And she's like, we could fix the baby. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think she has an yeah. intent to fix Herbs. the baby. <laughs> yeah. Herbs fix everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, that, that's that's a good point because she was going Chinese bare- medicine. Yeah. Chinese medicine <laughs> fix chromosomes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're gonna go that stereotypical, you you definitely got to be lying. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I agree with you guys. Um, but that, that is an interesting point about Karen and, and you know, because in many ways I feel like they're going to have to now steal this baby back. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was already hard enough. It, well, well, you know, we didn't know that Karen was coming back this episode. And so well, just seeing Sheila's face as she's given away the baby, I mean, this is what caused Karen to leave in the first place. And now that she's given this up, you know, she's pretty much lost everything. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been, yeah. you know, her poor choices. I mean, she made, as she said, the, the nice thing about mistakes is you get to fix them. But, you know, she broke Jody, <laughs> So she's got to fix that one. You know, and, and now she's given him away. Yeah. And she I didn't th- have Karen at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think she expects to fix her environment and bring the kid back. There's some great lines in the show, too. And one of them was like, you know, he's uh, made in China, just like him. You know, when Frank picks mm-hmm. up the toy and you know, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, we'll see. But I think that th- that'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out. I like that storyline before there wasn't much of a story in earlier episodes of, uh, you know, what um, Joan Cusack was getting to play. I mean, although she was brilliant, everything yeah. they were giving to her. But yeah. um, now I, I love that. that it's all intertwined and believably intertwined. And, you know, yeah. you know, we, we kind of talk about this. We have faith in the way the show's going. You know, we've already, this is the third season, so we kind of know, okay, let it trust the writers that they're going to take us down a good path. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of Joan, I, I just, I can't say enough about her acting. Just oh, those subtle great. moments. Yeah. 
What about Amy? Yeah. Oh, Amy, yeah, she's great too. Wow, what an episode for her acting talents. This, yeah. You know, that when she gave that heartbreaking speech in the courtroom, it was just amazing. So let's get to that. Um, obviously, the the crux of the episode, and, and yeah, I thought I thought initially she would be more confrontational, Frank. Mm-hmm. You know, we always get so riled up after every episode that we you know we feel like it's going to explode, but um, she handled it in a yeah. definitely feisty way, mm-hmm. but not in the way I had predicted, which is what's great about the show. Um, but as you get as as you mentioned, John, um, cause and effect. I mean, she's she went to a lot of lengths illegally to do this, mm-hmm. and now to become a co guardian with Frank. Yeah, is it, I don't think that's a victory, though. Well, you know, for I, mean, him. I, think, I think she always realizes that that Frank she doesn't have to point that much finger at Frank. Frank will hang himself. You know, in every situation, she just knows that that's going to happen. So as far as like in the courtroom, she just let him talk until the, she just had to look at the judge and go see what I mean. You know, uh, it started to feel like because of the other kids were like, well, yeah, he helped me with camp. And yeah, well, he sent them to cancer camp by mm-hmm. lying that he had cancer so he could get. <laughs> you know, what, was you Frank know? remorseful in those moments hearing, you know, her story specifically? It was what was going through his mind. I mean, I was trying to read his expressions. You know, well, by the way that they played out the end of the episode, I would say no. <laughs> or was, <laughs> said, for well. a moment in there, I thought he was going to be like as he was listening. I thought he seemed a little, but yeah, but I agree. As as it went on, he's it didn't a, really seem like he. You know, he I mean, was, he's a, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's a definitely a um, you know, uh, um, uh, what you call it. Um, character of of, uh, of uh, nature. I mean, he's, uh, for lack of a better term, there is a better term, but I can't think of what it is. Um, you know, he follows his nature, and you can, you know, he's he's a scorpion that stings the frog going across the and You water. know that story, every, too. Yeah, of course, we all do. I, I, but, as, you know, it's he's the guy that he's going to sting the frog every time. He can't yeah. help himself. I mean, that's who Frank is, and they know that. That's why it's come to this point that she has to take the kids, because as much as... She'd like to believe, even through Debbie's eyes, that Frank will come around. He's just proven time and time again. And the last straw was her finding out that he was the one that turned them in. Yeah. You know, and so she's like, you know, no more. Frank is gone. Frank is out. And now she has to, uh, you know, deal with him. But, um, you know, she realizes that and that's they're, they're tied in together whether she likes it or not. For me, uh, you know, I want to know why you guys think she said the story that she did. For me, it was to counteract what Debbie and Carl said for them, you know, so that they understood who who their father really was, you know, because they were, you know, isolating those moments of of goodness and Frank, but she wanted to let them know, like, uh, you know, that was her, and this is the things that she had to deal with at an earlier age than them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think they really took that to heart. Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. And I think pointing out that this is, isn't just a new thing with Frank and this is how, what she's been dealing with her whole life, you know, with having him as the dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like like I, I agree with you. I thought it was going to be more of a she was going to be up and really animated and really get into it. And I love the power that she had just sitting there and, and by using that ex- example as a story to tell. I thought it was really, really powerful and strong. Yeah. It's good writing. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, though, uh, you know, it was interesting seeing her because I don't think she was expect, expecting what Frank really could bring. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we hear him joking about it at the bar, but, you know, he's really been through the system. He knows how to lie. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, she, as, as much as she won, I still don't feel like she really won. I mean, he's on a yeah. whole different level of, of all of this. Yeah. you gotta, you got to bring bigger cannons. When well, you fight Frank, it's 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 sick too how how believable William Macy is. Go watch something. There was one night where I watched him in something, one thing, and then watched this right after it, and it was it blew me away how different it was. And you know, I mean, you always get you can always see William H Macy through all that, but he is so believable as this guy in Shameless. It's you know, well, I, I really scary. Loved, loved his storyline with the chips. Just, uh, yeah. You know, him trying yeah. to get the AA chips, then him getting the chips, yeah. uh, and then finally presenting them in the courtroom, like, yeah. hey, this yeah. is my hope yeah. right here. Yeah. Uh, really nicely tied in. Uh, in that courtroom scene, as soon as as soon as soon it's declared that Fiona 
gets the kids. Uh, Jimmy is handed little, um, the youngest, and he's holding him. And he, the, the, his disdain as he's holding this <laughs> child, you, there's, you know, because we, we've always kind of talked about it. You know, they've teased it where there, there's going to be a wedge between them. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, and we, I wasn't kind of believing it. You know, there, there was something but it it wasn't enough to say for me to say oh that's a huge wedge this is a huge wedge yeah i agree i always thought they were gonna you know he always seemed to kind of put up with it all and kind of roll with you know roll with the flow and and but now you can definitely see the looks on his face that it's 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 kind of checked out and done and it's hit the limits and now think of the things he's been doing too to keep it uh, to to protect her from what what he's been living on the side too and mm-hmm. so that's, you know, I mean, it's it's tragic, too, because he's lying to her. But at the same time, he's doing that because he wants to protect his situation with her. And now he's like going, is it worth it for me to protect that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, this is a, this was her decision. Doesn't he say something to the effect that this is her decision? Does, doesn't even realize how it's affecting me when he's talking mm-hmm. to um, her father's henchman, uh, his, his wife's uh, henchman, uh, father's henchman. Yes. That's doling out mm-hmm. the money. Mm-hmm. I, for me, I really love the scene with the judge and um, and Fiona because, you know, we obviously had that moment with Jimmy. But for me, I didn't quite understand from his perspective until, you know, the judge laid it out to her in yeah. those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I thought I thought that was a really nice. It worked really well for Fiona, but it was also a nice device for us as an audience to clue us in on what the circumstances really were. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, you know, they got everybody yeah, involved. True. They got everybody involved mm-hmm. in all the storylines. I mean, this 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 series has definitely evolved from what are these people going to do to survive, and how fun can the show be to see how far people will go to survive in this situation? To storylines that are all coming to a head and and are all um, you know really mm-hmm. well defined. Characters are well defined. What's happening to them? Even what's happening to the the neighbors? You know, and, you know. <laughs> line of the episode. I don't want Kevin fucking my mom <laughs> any more than necessary. <laughs> Here, here's my thing about that. I felt I felt we did it last week. But knowing that we're you know, that they still have to do this. Yeah. That's the most painful part about it. Yeah. Well so you know, they have to suspend a storyline for a little while to come back to it. You mm-hmm. know, which is hard to do in series television, but they're yeah. pretty successful in this show. I mean, you can see by this episode that we just watched how many storylines came to a head yeah. in the same scene. It was amazing. It made you think about so many different things that have happened through the, the first couple of seasons of this series. Just in that one courtroom scene is pretty amazing. Yeah. And everybody, but they're all in it together. So it's always, they're all helping each other. There's always... You know, it's a survival family, and it's, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and we had pre- predicted with B that it wasn't going to take. You guys did. I, yeah, I was you, really the, hoping. I mean, uh, my gosh. Yeah, but I but I thought when I thought it wasn't going to, I didn't think they'd keep trying. Like, I thought that was going to be done with, like, they'd go to the, the next plan. Like, we talked maybe adopting or whatever. <laughs> or And I thought they would maybe just have one eventually and find out that they could. But, yeah, but I didn't I think, think they'd keep going with the mom. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people hoping that it really doesn't take, you know, because yeah. it's a little, it's a little just much. a little odd and unsavory. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness! Uh, where he tries to, where he tries to to have sex with her like a Hasidic through the sheet. Yeah, you know? I, was like, yeah. I can't breathe. Yeah, with no hole for her mouth, <laughs> but just her. And, and and you know, from from next week's previews, they're going to try again. They keep trying. Yeah. And, and I mean, how could they top the Holy Trinity? That's what I call that position, the Holy Trinity. Yeah, blasphemous nice. Trinity or something like that. Oh, we got to call it. Um, Going back to Jimmy, you know, you, JJ, had a disgusted look or angry look. I don't know how to describe it. When you saw Jimmy, consider like, hey, I'm going to get her off now. Yeah. Hoping he could last more than 10 seconds on that one. Why why did he do it? I was disgusted. I've always been in Jimmy's corner and like had his back. You forgave him last time, I did. Yeah. I just. But now you can't forgive him. No, I can't. Now I'm not forgiving him. Uh Uh-uh. His life's on the line. But now that was just like, that to me was just a guy wanting to get some, like there was no need for him to do that, you know, and I just felt sorry for Fiona and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so now I'm not on, do, not do on you disagree Team Jimmy John anymore. No? That no, he had I, to do it? 
Well, I think I feel like I feel like that the way they're justifying it in the show, you know, I mean, we're all going to, it's subjective because that's supposed to be subjective. <laughs> the writer's very clever putting it in your, in your lap yeah. is subjective and everybody's going to have feelings about it. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm willing to cut him some slack for a while until he figures out how he's going to deal with, with, you know, her, his, uh, legal wife's mafiosa, you know, dad, um, you know, a cartel dad, how he's, you know, he's going to deal with that. In the meantime, he's just trying to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be doing any of this stuff if it wasn't about him just trying to stay alive. Yeah. I mean, you know, the way he runs out of there, how long is that storyline going to be believable to the other ca- characters? Yeah. And, and part yeah. of his mom is you having trouble. He keeps having to run out for his mom, you know. And part of uh, part of why I'm willing to cut him a little bit of slack this week for that is because uh, you know he's trying to gain. She was hot. <laughs> there you go. Look at her buns. There's that reason. But there, there's also you know he's trying to get money for his family. Family, you know, and so by by pleasing her and, and keeping her in good graces, you know, maybe he can get some, as he says, uh, walking money. Mm-hmm. So that I'm. If that's the reason, then all right. I'm willing to believe that. <laughs> um, anything else that you guys want to bring up, whether that you guys found humorous, uh, anything that we missed that you guys want to talk about? Well, it's, it's definitely... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you guys... Oh, please, ladies first. I only had a small one. I just thought we, we kind of brushed on it, but the Frank getting the, like the chip and going to the AA and meeting mm-hmm. and trying to convince all them to basically start drinking, and then we see that woman run back in the bar. I thought that was a funny little moment from the meeting. That this is why white it. kids are flocking to Allah. Those are not one of the best lines in this in it, you know. No. Um, but it's you know it's uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, um, it's definitely a different world that these people live in, and you know one that it's not familiar to the rest of us, but they're still somehow relatable because yeah. we all okay. hate to, you know what we have to deal with with the. The red tape of of surviving, and we all, you know, we all hate spending an hour, uh, you know, with the phone company every month because they can't get our damn bill right, and they do it constantly on purpose. So they figure we'll yeah. finally just give up and pay it, mm-hmm. even though we're mm-hmm. paying the wrong amount. And this family never gives up on any of it. They're not willing to cut anybody any slack on anybody because they can't afford to, which is really, you know, an amazing aspect of it. I love, I love when, when they're they're taking the the you know, the dead woman that's supposed to be their aunt, the Jane Doe or whoever it was, and put oh her on my the and try to cut try to cut off the toe. And I'm and I I just was mumbling under my breath. I was like, you know, this this poor old actress that was playing the part was telling her grandchildren, well, you know, grandma kind of got a walk-on part. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be naked and dead, and, you know, and then get my toe cut off, you know. <laughs> I mean, what? That's a committed actress. That really was. An and, award. And, and it, the, you know, it was kind of... Um, it was funny in the moment of, of of the guy, you know, hitting on Fiona, but then we obviously know why it kind of played. It, it was a nice, uh, an indicator of what was to come. You didn't know what was coming, but it was a foreshadow of something's wrong. And then, you know, I thought, you know, when they teased it in the in the last week's preview of the will, I thought that was Frank's doing, you know, because yeah, she mm-hmm. let him know. And I, I thought Frank would be quick enough to figure something out. But the fact that it's Patrick and he filed it a year ago... Obviously, uh, what's nice is now this is even worse, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's great that you guys brought that up because uh, yeah, I can't believe we didn't talk about <laughs> yeah. the dead body. Yeah, I was just trying to block it out of my mind. I guess. <laughs> no, that's the serious thing that's coming up. I mean, you know, it's you know that's the big thing. I mean, you know, and especially if you think about it, the the goal was to keep Frank out, but now to to really lose that house. Yeah. Uh, so the next big hurdle. And and what's what, what's even worse is that it's her fault for doing this. You know what I mean? If, uh, Fiona never really likes to admit it. She likes to hold Frank accountable. But they, at the end of the day, they always end up needing Frank in some sort of way. Right. And that's the unfortunate thing. And, you know, but he, it, most of the times he's cleaning up his own messes. This is really her mess. Yeah. So I, I look forward to that. Uh, I think that about wraps mm-hmm. up this episode. I think so. Um, all right, so let's switch gears and let, let's talk with you, John, uh, about your career and uh, obviously Jack and the Giant Slayer. 
Jack the Giant Slayer. Jack the Giant Slayer is uh, my current project, maybe one of the best projects I've ever had in my life. It's just really cool. Well, uh, obviously working with Brian Singer, who's you know amazing director to work with, and uh, uh, and Bill Nye, you know, playing co-playing a character with Bill Nye. I mean, he's just like the coolest guy ever. I'm like, Bill, you know, let me know if I'm stepping on your process. He's like, John. I don't have a process. You couldn't possibly step on it. <laughs> Which is kind of true because he's just, he's just, obviously every actor has some process, but he's hes just so natural, so naturally great at what he does. That it, it was, you know, it was a sheer pleasure working with him. And, and, and real quick for, for those listening who may not, you know, uh, may not know the story. What, what is the story? And, you know, who, who doesn't do you, know Jack and the Beanstalk? Well, that's that's what's so great about it. Uh, that, that, that's what I really love. But what, you know, I had a chance to see it, and what I love about it is that you guys took that notion and made it new and different. Yeah, the writers did a great job. Um, I actually got the part through one of the writers, uh, Dan Studney, who I did Reefer Madness with. Oh wow! Uh, uh, Dan was the uh, co-writer and, and composer of the music for Reefer Madness, and we worked together over a long period of time doing the L.A. production and then uh, of Reefer Madness, and then the New York production, and of course the movie. And um, Dan, uh, it, mentioning my name, he was friends with Brian Singer, and Brian said, oh, I want to meet him. He said, I'm a big fan of his from Tales from the Crypt, you know, <laughs> and he had, has a Tales from the Crypt pinball machine in his house and the whole deal. So I went over uh, with Dan one day to meet Brian, and, um, and he's like, man, I love you. I'm going to work with you one day. And I was in your scenario, yeah, right, Brian Singer's going to hire me, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I get this call you know i run into him at a charity event and he's like so do my people get in touch with you and i'm like about what it's like i'm i'm i want to take you to london with me to shoot this movie that i'm shooting you know you're gonna be playing a giant and i'm like yeah. what i had no idea but you know here i am playing the you know kind of um disformed head uh second head of a two-headed giant and i'm like what did what made Brian Singer think of me to play that part? <laughs> you know, is, which is kind of fun and, and uh, creepy at the same time. But um, and that's how I uh, wound up getting the part. Yeah, and you so know? so you know, uh, your character is kind of the leader of these giants, which mm-hmm. I love. I, I love that notion of you know you have to have two heads doing this, and and the dichotomy of of you know the one head to your head. I thought it was really brilliant. You know, again, it's it just, it shows the brilliance of the of the writing. I thought I thought it was really really well done. Yeah, and Bill, and, and it's also you know, I mean, they 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 gave us a lot of leeway for Bill and I to create a, a relationship together. Mm-hmm. I mean, everywhere my character speaks, it just says Gak mm-hmm. in the script. <laughs> it just goes Gak, you know, and it <laughs> describes him as having this like. You know, a creepy, moist utterance. You know, when the princess first hears them in the dark, she's just hearing, Bleh. you know, kind of weird yeah. kind of stuff. And um, so I'm, you know, I, I just conceived that he had the same speaking uh, abilities as Bill's character, what he had created, but he has no vocal cords, so mm-hmm. it comes out the way it comes out. And for you, you really had to act through your face, you know what I mean? Because... You know, he kind of was leading the body, but you, you know... You well, shooting it, I don't know if you know how motion capture works, but you're being captured virtually, visually, digitally all at the same time, and you've gone through painstaking uh, technical... Uh, um, uh, Different kinds of technical stuff is it's kind of like performing in front of NASA when you're shooting it. It's pretty mm-hmm. pretty wild, but um, they've they've completely mapped your face with the dots and and um, uh, you know this kind of phosphorescent paint and that kind of thing, and gotten as many images of what your face can do as possible, mapped it into the computer so that when you step onto this volume and they and they and they remap you in every time you come onto the volume. And um, into these computers and things, and you have sensors on you uh, and, and that kind of thing, it recognizes all the information that they've already put in there about you so that you're, you're in real time, they can see you not as the character, but as, you know, what they call a kabuki version of your character. There's mm-hmm. not, much, not much to it. It's almost like a cartoon version of it. And so they're capturing you that way and visually with other cameras and digitally. And you're wearing these helmets with, uh, with you know, four cameras that are capturing the different 
quadrants of your face. I mean, literally, you have these cameras looking up your nose, as Bill put it, you know. <laughs> and, um, and so we didn't know how we were going to put those two characters together to make one character. So they left it up to us to find what wor- organically worked for us. And what wound up working for us, of course, Bill. Bill was, you know, going to be the the body, the you know, the body of the giant, and I was going to be the head and the right arm. So I would have to mirror Bill. That's where all my street performing and mind, <laughs> you know, mind training came in, and act separately with my head and my right arm at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I literally, mm-hmm. while we were rehearsing, I would get Bill's rhythms and see what he was going to do, and he would also would change it up as we were doing it and I would have to you know adjust and just walk just a little behind him so I could see him out of my peripheral and then act separately with my head and my with your right right arm arm. yeah and then they put it all you know and then of course when they go back in they put it back into the computers um, and all that and all these geniuses sit there and they design what would be normally be makeup and prosthetics right onto your face right onto your performance Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, the wonderful costumes that Joanna Johnson, you know, uh, designed, they, you know, add those in digitally onto you. And then they start layering it in and making them look more and more real over the span of a year. The guys that designed my face are the same guys that did Gollum's face for, for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And we had we had a good amount of the crew from Avatar doing, you know, all the, you know, digital domain stuff. And it was, it was pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing process. And, you know, you had mentioned to me outside that the story started off uh, kind of darker than it ended up being. Well, you know, I mean, it's Brian Singer. You know, Brian, <laughs> you know, there's always, I mean, there still is some dark parts to the, to the, to the show. But, you know, you're sitting there, you start out, um, you know, gearing it towards, um, uh, you know, an adult audience mentality and realizing that this story has to be told to kids as well it has to be told to the kids and all of us and um it's a you know it's that kind of fable it's it's a fairy tale so as we were doing it and as they were editing and creating and putting it all together they kept pushing it more towards that and finding out that 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 audience uh really loved it and that's where really um where where it was going so we quickly found out in the process that that's where where it was going Mm-hmm. I think that everybody, when you're when you're doing material of something that everybody has seen or heard before, and think that they know what that is, and then to take you know Jack and the Beanstalk, and you know we're not doing Mr. Magoo, you know, as Jack and the Beanstalk. This is you know a great action adventure with you know Ewan McGregor and Stanley Tucci and Ian and McShane and Nicholas Holt and you know Eleanor Tomlinson, and it's a great action adventure, and we have the most cutting edge. Um, technology to bring it to life. Um, I got to see uh, the premiere in 3D, and I can't wait to see it in IMAX because even in 3D, it feels like you're standing amongst giants. I mean, it feels like it's it's a complete e-ticket. I mean, mm-hmm. Disneyland could never make it that this clear. That's how mm-hmm. real it is in front of you, and uh, um, and then at times it feels like you're the giant looking down on humans, and you get that perspective to the point where you get ground rush. It's pretty amazing. I can't. Yeah, wait to I definitely see, got right? that feeling. You know, those, especially yeah. those scenes where the yeah, where the, you see the giant's point P of view coming in on the castle and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's amazing. It was amazing. It's just uh, because the story is so good. I, it's one of, the, one of the first movies that I've sat down, and it's hard when you worked on a movie to, to to have that willing suspension of disbelief and lose yourself in the story. It's much harder because you know what's coming. A lot of it <clears throat> and that kind of thing. And it's the first movie I've seen in a long time where I just forgot that I was in a theater and didn't lose myself out of the story and I was just there the whole time with it. It was really I mean, really it, what great. was nice, it, it hit the beats of the regular fairy tale. Right. But then it spun its on, on its axis, a lot of them. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, so... Good point. And, you know, speaking to your point about uh, how diverse it is, the, the theater that I was in, young kids to, you know, really old people. And, oh, great. And, and they, were la- they were laughing. That's right. You know, great. everyone laughed at the right moments. Yeah. And it was it was for me really enjoyable experience, um, and I gotta say I, I really loved doing Reefer Madness. Oh, thanks! <laughs> for those of you who have never seen that movie, you have to. So I think it's probably on Netflix and stuff now. You can probably pick it up. You know, uh, you certainly see scenes of it on YouTube and that kind of thing. But uh, you want to see the whole movie? It has a great cast. It has Alan Cumming, who, who you've had here, right? Yes, we have. And uh, um, Kristen Bell. 
and um, uh, uh, Stephen Weber, who's just you know one of the funnest people I've ever worked with. Stephen, I love. He's he's like a buffoon in a leading man's body, you know. And he's just he's just great. And a gas dyer, um, uh, Amy Spanger, myself, Christian. Campbell um, and Nev Campbell, his sister, who's his sister, and we all know Nev, and uh, just amazing cast, just really, really wonderful and really funny. I mean, you know, uh, to to give you guys a, a little taste of how funny it is, uh, they're, they're doing a Romeo and Juliet. They're reading that in high school, and the, the kids are so <laughs> dumb that they think it's Romeo and. Juliet, Juliet. <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, um, JJ, I know. I know you have some questions. Yeah, I want to talk. I know you've done a lot of voiceover. When we were talking before. You said you tell oh, the story yeah. about how you got first started in that. Oh yeah, well, I mean, as an actor coming from the theater. Um, you know, you quickly realize you don't make much money in the theater. <laughs> I used to, um, when I lived in New York and I was doing off-Broadway, uh, off and off off-Broadway theater, um, in between jobs, which was long periods of time, I, I, I used to street perform in front of the Metropolitan Museum. That's how I supported myself. And um, I kind of got known as this guy that was performed out in front of the Metropolitan Museum of Art on Fifth Avenue. And... Um, I got on a show called uh, Three Guys Naked from the Waist Down, which was a, a musical, three-guy musical about stand-up comedians, um, starring myself with Scott Bakula and, um, and Jerry Colker, who also was the, who penned the piece, who was the writer for the piece. Music was uh, composed by um, uh, um, his, his friend Michael Rupert, who was also a Tony winner for Sweet Charity on Broadway. Um, and... Uh, it became quickly the hot the hot show in New York, and this was the first year that they introduced Star Search. And uh, this talent scout comes up to me after the show and says, "You know, I'd, we'd like you to come on and be a stand-up comedian on Star Search." I'm like, "I'm not really a stand-up comic. You guys know that, right? I'm just playing a part." And they go, "Well, you know, you could win a hundred thousand dollars." I went, "Fuck! Did I tell you about my stand-up <laughs> career? You know, so." You know, I went on the show, and because I really didn't have any jokes, I had I did, had done sketch comedy for a number of years with a group called Animal Crackers out of Baltimore. Um, we were kind of like their version of Second City, and we had toured the USO as, as a comedy group and that kind of thing. And um, so I, you know, went and grabbed some of my old bits, but... Most of my material were voices and characters, and, you know, like I would do The Wizard of Oz in two minutes, you know. As mayor of the Munchkin City, in the county of the land of Oz, you know, and I would do all these different characters, you know, and those were my bits. And I just kept winning and winning, and eventually I I beat Rosie O'Donnell in the semifinals and Sinbad in the finals. (laughs) And I wound up, you know, all of a sudden they're like... You know, you're getting booked opening for Tom Jones in Vegas. And I'm like, I have no act. How am I going to open for Tom Jones, you know? And so I got my ass into the club, and that's, that's where my material gravitated towards doing all these characters and voices and that kind of thing. I used to do the morning announcements with my buddy Fred, and we would do all the morning announcements in high school. And we would, you know, the, the following, you know, the following morning announcement brought to you by a grant from the Mobile Corporation. <laughs> and we would do like a send up a masterpiece theater or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So it was, a, it was kind of an obvious direction for me to go with some of my work. And that's when I started getting asked to audition for a lot of voiceover stuff. And once I got Tales from the Crypt, you know, I wound up with the, the you know, the best agents and the voiceover agents in the business, uh, you know, uh, um, that was originally the ICM voiceover department. Now they're called DPN. My, my agent over there, Jeff Danis, is, is amazing. And, and uh, you know, I've been with them for, I don't know, 20-some years since I first got Tales from the Crypt. And so... Um, the best thing about doing voiceover is you, you're not typed out by your age, by, you know, I get to play villains, I get to play things that don't look like me, I get to play animals, you know, I've done The Simpsons playing animals, and uh, did Miko the Raccoon and Pocahontas, and, you know, characters mm-hmm. like the Crypt Keeper and that kind of thing, so it's, you know, it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun job. Yeah. It's a fun job. It's hard because it takes a lot of imagination, which, you know, was one of the skills I got to use in Jack. But I also got to use my street performing skills in pantomime, doing the physical stuff. I got to use my theatrical training, you know, working with Bill. Do, do you like mm-hmm. doing uh, now this sort of motion capture? Because now they can, you know, instead of just doing voice work, they capture your performance. Do you, 
Oh, know? it's amazing. It, 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 you know, for me, for an actor like myself, not all the actors like it. Liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the actors because it, it's tedious. I mean, there's a lot of you know technical things that they're inventing stuff as you go along because they're using as cutting edge as they can do it. You know, and. Um, you don't have the costume. You're not wearing the costumes. You're wearing like a PVC you know, uh, mm-hmm. outfit with like things all over it and this helmet and this whole thing. So it's it's not the optimum thing that you imagine yourself doing and having like your cape and you imagine all those things. But for an actor like me that that loves that kind of thing, it's it's you know it's a blast. Uh, you know you get to it's it's empowering because you know that you're going to do this uh, performance and you're changing your physicality and you're changing your voice and you're doing all this stuff and then somebody else is going to go in and add all the little details so um, onto you onto your performance. Um, and it's not just like doing voiceover where I do voiceover and I have to imagine what they're going to do. Um, they're they're going to take the lead from me in this one, mm-hmm. and add it on to my performance. Uh, voiceover, I'm more trying to imagine what what they're going for and trying to bring a voice that brings that to life. Um, and very often they don't know what they're going to look like in animation either. So very often they take the lead from what you've done, and they go, "Oh, I love that! You know mm-hmm. that voice. Well, we're going to do." We're going to make, you know, he sounds kind of short and squat and gravelly and probably unshaven, and let's do that. You know, and sometimes you get pictures of that's what they look like, and you try to get a voice that captures a guy that's short and squat and, you know, has, has a beard and, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, and you, that's how it works, you know. But it's a process. Filmmaking is a, a collaborative process, uh, art in the first place, and certainly uh, motion capture is, is one of the cutting-edge ways to, to, you know, the actor has um, a a lot of input into their performance. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Well, Mm -hmm. guys, check it out. Uh, The movie, Jack and the Giant Slayer, out in theaters now as we speak. So after this podcast, go to your local theater. Because if you haven't seen Jack the Giant Slayer, you don't know Jack. You don't. Um, You can find John at John Kassir on Twitter, Facebook, do you have an Instagram? I Instagram? do not. I don't not. use Instagram, but uh, I should. I probably should. Um, and my website is is uh, Um It's down right now because we're we're adding more cool stuff to it. It's a really cool website, okay. but um, and that's K A S S I R. That is correct, John Kassir. Usually said wrong and spelled correctly or spelled right and said wrong. <laughs> Mr. Kasser, um, thank you very much. I'm glad you're a fan, but it's Kasser. Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you guys for joining us this week. Uh, tune in next week, and uh, in the meantime, feel free to rate and comment. Let us know your guys' thoughts on this episode. Uh, again, we love hearing it. And uh, JJ, where can they find you at? I am at JJJorgens.com and at JJJorgens on Twitter. Alright, and you can follow us here at AfterBuzzTV. Until next week, I never know how to close these up. I'll After figure it out Buzz one time. TV. There you go. <laughs> From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz Buzz you later. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 